Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, we're excited you're here today, and uh, we're excited you decided to, to celebrate with us on our fourth birthday as a church, so uh, some exciting stuff, so we're glad you're here. Um, I will say this, if you would give me just an opportunity, I'd love to brag on what God's done in the last four years. Are you guys cool with that? And brag on maybe a little bit. Some of you guys have helped as well, so... Man, God's done some incredible stuff since we launched in 2014, and God really took us, uh, took this dream that kind of birthed in my wife and I in like 2013, where we were willing to, to share it with some people, and, and instead of them saying that, man, you're completely crazy, which we did get some of that, but instead of them saying, man, you're completely crazy, we got some people that said, yeah, man, we're, let's do this. Let's go all in with you. So we had some people jump on, and just some, some amazing things that God has done since 2014. So I just want to share, share some things. So one of the biggest things that, man, we we need to celebrate today is this. There have been 204 check marks for Jesus since we launched. 204, right? Yeah. So if you don't know what we do is uh, how we kind of track things is we actually use our connect cards, which are in the seat back in front of you. So we uh, track those, and on that, there's a place to make a decision for Jesus. So listen, if you're a first-time guest here, I'll tell you that. That's a way we track to, to connect better with you as well, and we always ask for you to, to fill the Connect card out completely the first time, and then you can take it to our Connect Center, and then they have a gift for you as well. And again, new, if you saw, we have a new Connect Center set up. We actually want to celebrate those that bring guests as well. So if you are a bringer, if you brought somebody, you get a free t-shirt. So we're pumped about that. But since we launched in 2014, we've seen 204 people make a decision for Christ. We've seen 204 people who either made their decision for the first time for Christ or, or make a, a really a rededication, those that maybe have walked away from Christ and decided to, to make a decision again, which is amazing. And then on top of that, we've seen 38 people get baptized. 38 people, right? Come on. Let's... Listen, we celebrate baptisms every time we do it. We go crazy, right? And we celebrate that. We've done that 38 times. 38 times people have gone public with making a decision for Christ. And that's just, it's incredible. Like, that's why we exist. When you look at it, that's why we exist, so that people will, will never be the same, right? We're forever changed by the power of Jesus. And because God's done some incredible things in and through us, there's some people that will never be the same again. It's just amazing to see. It's amazing to celebrate. And even as we started in 2014, we were a, a church plant, and we were tied to a couple different networks, and we were actually, uh, they financially supported us. And since we started, we've actually been able to, to move off from them, and we're, we're self-sufficient. But I say the word self-sufficient lightly. Like, we're definitely not self-sufficient. We're, we're God. We're, we're relying on God every single time, right? But what really has happened is that, man, a lot of us a lot of you, we've been able to, to trust God with our finances and be a steward of it and even give back. And because of that, we're able to turn the lights on on Sunday mornings, right? We're able to do some incredible things for the church and to see it grow as well. So it's been amazing to see. And again, if you were with us from the very beginning, you re remember those times where we were actually a set up and tear down church and um, in, our in our kids' life area and our first impressions area, we were set up and tear down at an old building downtown, which was the old YWCA. You remember those? You remember those days? And it was, uh, was kind of crazy. There was no parking, but the sanctuary was humongous. So there was a parking enough for like 20 people with a sanctuary for 400 people. It was a little awkward, I'll just tell you that. But man, 
God still did some cool stuff, and he moved us from that temporary place into this permanent place. And it's been amazing. If you remember, maybe you were here when we made that transition. We had orange-colored carpet, peach-colored pews, and somehow people stuck around. It was crazy. But we moved and we transitioned and we went from one service to two services and God's done some just incredible things. And we've seen uh, our staff grow, we've seen our leaders grow, we've seen our serve team grow. Right now we have 98 people serving at Life Change. Let's give us just a round of applause for all those, right? right? And God's still doing stuff, right? God's still doing stuff. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, there's this thing going out there in the garage we're calling it the garage, but there's students going out there, and they have their own space. They've created their own space where they learn about Jesus. They grow closer to Jesus, and it's been going amazing. There's still great things going on with our, with our kids' life. The curriculum's been updated, and there's some amazing things happening there as well. And life groups are coming back at the end of this month. There's just some amazing things. And as we're four years old, I really feel like this. I really feel like we're just getting started. Now, I have a, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And for four years, like for the four-year-old, it's kind of a, it's a nice phase of life, right? And this is kind of where I think as I look at it, this is kind of where we're getting to as the church. The four-year-old phase is where you really can rely on your kid to be potty trained, right? There still may be some accidents here and there, let's just be honest. There's still, and as a church, there still may be some things we do dumb here and there. And we make, but man, they're getting potty trained. And then I look at it, and then my son, as he was four years old, he really looked into it, and he was getting ready to, to ride his bike without training wheels, right? And he was, had the training wheels, had that on there. But then he got to the place where he was going to ride his bike without training wheels. And man, as a church, I think that's where, where we're getting at, right? We're getting ready just to be released and to experience so much more. To experience so much more that God's called us to do. And again, we're called to love people to life change. Love people into this growing relationship with Jesus. And I believe as we do this, as, believe as we continue on this, our training wheels are about to fall off and we're about to go at a stride we've never been at and we're going to see so many great things. And listen, if you're a first-time guest, you could not have picked a better Sunday, right? Because we need you. Right? We're in this together. The cool thing about four-year-olds is I don't know if you've ever watched them, but when they go to preschool, man, they make friends with everybody. Right? It's, it's all about like, expanding their influence. It's all about expanding their circle of friends. They don't care anything. right? That's the cool thing about a four-year-old. That's the cool thing about a church right now. Man, it's about we, want, we just want to love everybody. Right? We want everybody to be a part. We want everybody to be in our circle. We want everybody to be a part of this. Right? You get to, you get like, I mean, I don't know if anybody's 80 or, and you're 80 year olds, but you get to the 80-year-old. Dude, their circle's kind of done, right? It's kind of the end of it. I'm just saying. But man, no, we're here, right? We're in this phase of where it's about to really some good stuff's happening. And I know when we launched, we said this. We want to be a church that multiplies. We want to be a church that, that launches other churches off. We want to be a church that plants other churches. We want to be a church that, that creates and, and builds other sites and other locations. And again, at four years old, you probably don't want a four-year-old reproducing. But listen, we're growing closer. We're getting there, right? We're building up to what God's really called us to do. And man, I'm excited for some amazing stuff that God's done. So again, if, if you're a first-time guest... We would love just to connect with you better and allow you just to be a part. So we're going to invite you to the Connect Center after service. And then we also have something coming up on September 30th, which you heard Caleb talk about, which is our Discover class. Man, if you want to know more about the church, know more about how you can jump in, come to Discover. Like, this is some great stuff. And I'm excited because it feels like we're just getting started. I'm excited, too. As, we, uh, as we're getting started, as we're celebrating a birthday, we're actually starting a brand new series entitled Margin. So this is going to be a four-week series where we're going to jump in and talking about how what God really wants us to experience for our life. So as we kind of change and transition from celebrating mode, let's go into to sermon mode. But let me just ask you guys just a, a couple questions. So how many of you here today, when you see this piece of paper, 
you're the type of person that wants to stay in the lines. So you would like write just in this area here. Like this, this, is not for, this is not for writing. Like how many of you would say that? Even maybe look at your, your bulletin. The clear spaces on the left or on the right and on the bottom, you are the type of person that that is a no-go zone, right? How many of you are like that, right? You write within the lines. All right, we got, nice, I like you guys. You guys are like me. You would be considered probably my OCD friends, right? So I like you guys. Now how many of you, you see the space, you see the extra areas, you see this, and for you, you're thinking, man, I'm supposed to put something there. I'm supposed to doodle there. I'm supposed to write extra notes there. Like, you fill that space up. How many of you are like that? All right, you guys are my carefree friends, right? You guys are more like my wife. So this is, this is really who my wife is. I'm definitely the OCD category. I like things to be nice and neat. I like things within the lines. I like clean spaces. I like structure. I like all this stuff, right? I definitely work within the lines. And I'm very linear. I'm a very linear type of thinking type of thinker. My, some people will call me a nerd, but that's, I'm good with that. That's just where I lie. Sometimes this can obviously be a little bit annoying, though. It kind of takes it to the next level. Like for me to even work or to sit down and write and to sit down and do something, I actually have to clean off my space. I have to have a, a very clean space, so I have to make sure the desk is clean first. And if it looks like that's going to be overwhelming and that can't happen, I'll just go somewhere else to work. and I'll, Maybe I'll work at Panera, and then I'll lap, set my laptop up there. But I'm the type of person that like, has my laptop lined up with the lines of the table. Then my phone is like, directly next to it lined up with a co- piece of coffee lined up. Like, it's perfect, right? This is just kind of how I think. Like, I'm admitting that, dude, this guy's messed up and jacked up. That's right. That's who I am. But listen, being married and having kids pushes this a little bit. It really kind of stretched me over the, over the last few years, right? Over the last 10 years, right? This has really stretched me. So when my wife and I first got married, after we got married, she moved into the house that I had previously owned. So I had already had, I lived in there for three years. And now this is, a, this is like a bachelor home, but it's also like an OCD person's home. So there was absolutely nothing on my walls, like nothing, like nothing hung and like, it looked good to me. Like that's, I, I like the way that looked. My wife moves in and immediately starts hanging stuff on the walls, like pictures, like artwork, like pieces of stuff that's from the outside. I think she called it a wreath, but literally it's like live stuff hanging on. I'm like, what is this? Like, what are you doing, right? So she does this. She's, like my wife, if she sees an open space, she fills it. Like, if there's a flat space, I always like she wants to get new furniture and stuff, and they'll have a flat. I'm like, that'd be great. That's look clean. We don't have to put anything on it. Nope, there's something on top of it pretty soon because she finds space and she fills it. Now, listen, my OCD friends, you guys are going to, you're not going to believe this, but I've had pieces of paper where I've had my notes put together, and I've had them all structured. I've had the nice outline with the dots, all, even like broken in, and, I, and all that. And I have my piece of paper, and I'll put it somewhere, and then she's taken it, and she wrote extra notes on it in the sides. There's a thing. Marriage needs grace, right? You OCD people, you get this. Now, you guys that are more laid back, you're like, dude, you're nuts. Like, you just need to relax and chill out. But the truth is God's made us all different. The whole point of this is God's made each and every one of us different, right? My daughter, I go into her room, and I'm like, you need to clean this up. And she's like, I was born to be messy, right? We are all different. We're all created different. And the truth is, as much as it kills me to say this, when it comes to our physical spaces, when it comes to our pieces of paper that we may write notes on, clutter's not necessarily a big deal. I know it hurts, it hurts to say that, but clutter's not a big deal. But when it comes to our schedules, when it comes to our finances, 
when it comes to our relationships, and when it comes to our spiritual lives, this chaos in our life can cause problems. This clutter in our life can cause some issues. Because the truth is, God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants us to live with some breathing room, right? God wants us to live with some room to, to fully experience his grace and then to fully experience his mercy. God wants us to live with margin. So over the next few weeks, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how God wants us to live with some margin. So as we start off, let us just define what margin is, and that way we're all on the same page. Here's what I really want us to walk away with today. This is what I want us to walk away with, the definition of margin. Margin is the space between our current pace and our breaking point. Margin is the space between our current pace and our breaking point. And think about it. We all have a breaking point, right? We all have that place where we're about to fall off the edge. We all have that place where, where we're living right there. We're pushing everything to the limits and we're about to break. We all had that. And when we live without margin, the closer we live to that breaking point. And when we live without margin, the closer we are to that breaking point. And understand this. The breaking point, the breaking point is where mistakes happen. This breaking point, this, this place where we fall off the edge, that's really where sin lives. This place that's, that's completely off the paper, this place where, where God doesn't really want us to live, that's really where regret is birthed, right? That's where pain begins. That's where pain is started. And the closer we are to that point, the more worry, the more stress, the more that will overtake us. And this isn't what God wants for us, right? The closer we are to that point, the more we're really, we're really going to fall in. It's not what God wants for us. He wants us to live a life that's better. He wants us to live with a little breathing room. He wants us to live with a little margin. He wants us to have this buffer zone, right? This is what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to live a life of worry. He doesn't want us to live a life of stress, let alone shame and regret. In fact, Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. If you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. Just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. That way you can be reading your Bibles every single day. In fact, we're going to spend a lot of time in this passage of Scripture today too. So we're really going to dig into it. And I love this passage. I love this passage. In fact, I've preached it many times. But what this passage is, it's Jesus preaching. And he's actually preaching one of his most famous sermons that he's ever preached. He's preaching the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, what he's doing, he's really going into everything that we will experience in life. Jesus kind of addresses all these different issues. In fact, I would challenge you to even go back, reread through this whole sermon. It's Matthew chapter 5 through 7. So maybe make a note in that in your notes and then go back and actually read through it this week. It's an incredible, really, application that we can take and put to our lives. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus hits this topic of worry. And I really think it relates to this idea of margin in our lives. So check this out. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body what you, and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And as we read that, and it's, a, it's an encouraging scripture, but the truth is, I think the truth is, if we're really honest with ourselves, whether we're OCD or whether we're carefree, if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of us, we're cluttering our life with worry. A lot of us, we're living a life of stress. A lot of us are living a life where we're, we're, we're worried about certain things. And listen, I'm just going to throw myself in this. I'm talking to myself a lot today, right? I'm talking to myself as well because I'm right here with you. When I read this scripture, when I look at this, I can see that there's areas in my life where I'm losing margin because what I'm doing is I'm filling this space with the wrong stuff. In fact, if you look at scripture, what's Jesus warning us against? He warns us against worry, right? This whole scripture is warning against worry. And what I think a lot of us do we live in this area. We live in this area of worry where, where we're so caught up and thinking about what could happen. We're thinking about the what if, and really the what if in a negative way. A lot of us, we get caught up filling this whole area of our life, filling our margin. We fill it with worry, and it's pushing us to the breaking point. I mean, think about it. What do we do? We fill this life, and Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. But listen, I'm going to be the first to admit it. There's a lot of times where I throw that in there. I throw worry right there and about my life. Right? I worry about my life. There's certain things I worry about my life. I worry about my health. I worry about, I worry about my retirement. I, better, I worry about like if, I, if we got enough finances to make it. I worry about certain things, right? So throw that in. I, throw, I worry about my bank account. Is there money in there? Or, is it, or am I going to bounce a check, right? I worry about the, my, my 401k. Will I ever be retired, or are you guys going to have to listen to me when I'm like 95, right? I worry about certain things like this, right? I worry, about, I worry about my life, and there's a lot of times I put my life above anything else. And I think it's natural. It's, a, it's a something that we're taught to do, and I think a lot of us, we do that. Another thing we worry about, we worry about what we eat and drink. I always make this joke with my cousins, and well, actually my nephews, they're like eight years old, but I get a plate of food, and then they go and try to actually get some food off my plate. Like, I don't share food. I, I like, literally told my six-year-old nephews this. Like, it's kind of a mean thing, but I worry about it. What am I going to eat or drink, right? We may worry if we're going to eat or how much we're going to eat, how little we're going to eat, if we're going to get enough. We may worry about what we're actually putting in our bodies. I know a lot of us do this. We're worried, does it have GMOs? Does it have MSGs? Does it have whatever? Does it have a 401k and what we're eating? No, like, what, what is the stuff even in but we look at this, and we post stuff on Facebook about like, hey, don't eat this because there's poison in it. But what we're continually doing is we're worried about what we're putting in our body. And not only that, we're worried about our body, right? We're worried about how we look. We're worried about how much we, we exercise. And listen, none of these things are bad, but what I think happens is we get caught up in this. We get caught up in, in, in what we eat, what we drink. We get caught up in our own life, and then it continues to, to really build in this whole section here. And what we're doing is we're pushing ourselves to the edge. We worry about our body. We worry, we worry really about our, what we wear as well. Listen, I'm going to be honest. There's times where I may change like two or three times before I come to church on a Sunday morning. I know it sounds weird. And you're like, dude, 
you're such a girl, Corbin. But no, there's times where I'm looking, I'm like, dude, this, is, this doesn't make me look good. Like, I'm just not having a good day. Like, I don't want this shirt. It's too tight. Or this one's too baggy. Like, I, I do that stuff for, man, this one clearly hasn't been ironed for a while, right? We think about this, and we worry what we're going to wear because we're worrying what people are going to think about how we look, right? We worry about that. Then we worry about our time. And the next thing you know, we fill this whole space up with stuff, and then this is really the area where we're living, right? We live in this area where we're completely caught up with the things that really are overtaking our mind and what we're worried about. We get caught up in that. We fill this whole entire space with worry. And when we're filling this space with worry, when we're living here, it's really pushing us to the edge. It's pushing us to the breaking point. We get to this place and where we always think of this. We think, man, if I don't, right, if I don't fill in the blank, I'm afraid that. So when we're worried about our life, we think, man, if I don't, if I don't have a great bank account, if I don't have a 401k, man, will I ever retire? If I don't have a great net worth, I'm afraid that maybe I'm actually worthless, right? If, if I don't have a, if I worry about how to eat and drink, if I don't eat right, man, I'm afraid that, then I'm, that I'm not going to be healthy. I'm afraid that people will look at me and judge me. If I don't wear the right clothes, I'm afraid that people will say this or that about me, right? We think about these things and we live in this, if I don't, I'm afraid that. We live in this whole area of worry. And what it creates in our life is it creates this fear. It creates this fear of missing out. It creates this fear of really, of really being left behind. It creates this fear of insignificance. And what we end up doing is we end up falling off the edge and making poor choices. We make poor choices financially. We make poor choices relationally. We make poor choices really even spiritually as well because we're living too close to the limit because it's pushing us to the edge. And then we live in this land of regret. Right? But understand this. this. This isn't godly thinking. Yeah, this is a, a lot of where we live. This is a lot of where our culture pushes us. This is a lot of what our friends talk about. This is a lot about what we, what we post on, on social media. This is a lot of what we just go through each and every day. But this, this isn't Jesus, right? This isn't spiritually sound. This isn't biblical. This isn't godly. In fact, if you look at it, it's pagan. Again, check this passage out and look what Jesus says in verse 32. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. Jesus compares this worry-driven life. And listen, I'm admitting that I think about these things, that I worry about these things. I'm right there with you. He says, when you, when you live in this area, he compares this to the pagans. He compares this to the pagans. And a pagan is, is someone that's known as being profane. A pagan is known as someone that's being idolatrous. It's really a heathen. A pagan is someone that's, that believed in pagan gods and really had nothing to do with God. A, a pagan is one that's really, really has disinterested in humanity. Think about this. This is what Jesus compares this to. This type of thinking, Jesus compares it to the pagans. God doesn't want us to fill our lives up this. God doesn't want us to, to fill our margin up with this because he has so much more for us. He has so much more. Again, margin is the space between our current pace and our breaking point. And God doesn't want our margins to be filled with stuff that's pushing us to the breaking point. He doesn't want to be, our margin to be filled with stuff that leads to no good. Listen, the more our margin increases, our stress increases. The more our margin increases, our, our, the quality of our relationships decrease. Right? This, this leads to stress. This leads to lack of focus. This leads to, to tuning out what's really important. This leads to, to broken relationships. This leads to terrible financial decisions. This leads to fear, and it leads to being out of control. What's crazy, though, 
our whole point was to try to gain something control. Like when we stay here, we're trying to gain control, but it, but it really spirals backwards on us and leads us to becoming out of control. And it leads us to burnout. It leads us really to sin. And this isn't what God wants. Like this isn't what Jesus wants. In fact, you check out scripture again. Verse 25, it says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus says life is more than all of this, right? Life is more than our own desires. Life is more than our bank account. Life is more than our net worth. Life is more than what we eat and drink. Life is more than just our body image. Life is more than all that. Now think about it. Imagine if we grasp this, right? Listen, again, it's a process as we grasp this, but think about it. Think about what would happen in our lives if we were able to understand that God doesn't want us here. He doesn't want us to live so close to the edge. Think about it. Our relationships would change, right? Our relationships would begin to, to have some type of quality to them, right? Our connection with each other would be able to expand. Our connection with God would expand as well, right? The things that matter would actually matter, and we could let God be God in our lives. We could let God do what only he can do in our lives, and he does good stuff, right? God wants what's best for us. Again, if you check this out in Scripture, you can see what Jesus talks about, and you can see what God does. In verse 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Listen, God takes care of the birds. Now, let's just be honest. Birds are dumb animals. Like, they are not smart. Like, I've seen birds run into windows and lock themselves completely out. Like, that is a not that smart. I've seen humans do that too, but no, I've seen, but I've seen birds do that, right? And God still takes care of them. Man, we're so much more valuable than birds. What if we realize this, right? Then verse 28 jumps in and says, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Just a background on this. Put a little bit of this in perspective. Solomon was a guy that was, uh, he was the wisest of the wise. He was really known as a rock star. And uh, being wise created uh, just an incredible amount of wealth for him. So people would come from, from all over to really see and hear Solomon and to, to really mimic what he does and really even to mimic his closing. Like he had like an amazing wardrobe, like a crazy wardrobe, and people would come over just to watch him. But God says that he takes care of the fields even more so than Solomon. He says if, that's how he closed the, if God closed the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Listen, in our lives, this is what we need to understand. God's got this, right? God has us taken control of. God's got us taken care of. And we need to understand that and we need to live it out. Think about what happened if we lived in our lives with margin. Think about what happened if we realized that we're more valuable than birds, if we're more valuable than the grass in the fields. Like, what if we realized it? Like, what if we truly understood that we are a child of God? Listen, God sent his son to live a perfect life for each and every one of us, to die on a cross and be risen, then be risen again from the dead. Because he wants us to know how valuable we truly are. Because he wants us to call, he wants to call us his child, right? You don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live at your end of your rope. You don't have to, to live near this breaking point because God loves each and every one of us, right? God loves you. You are his child and he wants you to experience margin. He wants you to experience some breathing room in your life. He wants you to experience grace and he wants you to experience mercy. And here's how we do it. Jesus states it right here again in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So really, here's the action step. Our action step is to stay in between the lines. 
right? Our action step is really to even stay aligned with him, right? Our action step is to fill this space in instead of our margin. Here's how we do it. Number one, we seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. And this is what this means. It means that we go beyond our own lives. God's kingdom is bigger than our lives. God's kingdom is bigger than our own lives, and it's bigger than anything we can imagine. So seeking his kingdom means that when we pray, we pray for more than just ourselves. Seeking his kingdom means that when we pray, we pray for more than just our own last name. We pray for more than just those that are in our household, right? We pray even beyond it. We go bigger. We seek his kingdom and pray for those. It means that we celebrate with those that God's doing amazing things in, and we grieve with those that need grief with. It means spending time with his people. It means spending time with those that he loves. It means spending time with his, with his children, right? I think many of us, we just need to celebrate with others. When somebody's, when somebody's going through something and, and they're, they're experiencing the blessings of God, instead of being jealous about it, what if we just celebrated with them, right? What if we grieved with those who are going through a tough time? Instead of looking at them and being like, oh, man, they got what's coming to them, what if we actually slowed down, put our arms around their shoulder and began to pray with them, right? Instead of being prideful, what if we just did love together and we shared that love, right? It's loving one another, and it's loving people to a growing relationship with him. Understand this. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than our worries. It's bigger than our worries. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to move from here, move from filling your life with this stuff here to here, to seeking his kingdom. Again, all this stuff, all this is really self-serving. All this is is really internally looking. But this, this means that we have to look outside of ourselves. We have to look beyond ourselves. It's moving from selfish to selfless. Let's seek his kingdom. Let's look beyond ourselves. And when I say this, this is even bigger than Life Change Church, right? The truth is that God's kingdom is far beyond the four walls of Life Change Church. God's kingdom is far beyond Life Change Church at all. Again, I started off, I started off this message really bragging on what God's done the last four years. And God's done some incredible stuff, right? But his kingdom's bigger than Life Change, right? His kingdom's bigger than that, right? Jesus, just like individual names, the kingdom has a lot of other names. It has more than just Life Change Church's name, and we need to seek it. Meaning this, we need to celebrate with those that are, that are preaching the gospel. We need to celebrate with other churches. We need to pray for other churches that are preaching the gospel, right? In fact, just this week, I was talking to a couple pastor friends, and we, as I hear their story, man, it's just incredible. We need to be celebrating with them. We need to be celebrating with churches in this community, churches like More Life, who are in a building project because they need more space so that they can reach more and more people. We need to celebrate with churches like, like Bridge City, who just launched last week. And they've been, in the matter of six months, they've seen 20 people saved. They've seen 20 people saved, and they've seen four people get baptized. In six months, right? We need to celebrate with churches that are doing things like that, right? That's just in this city. In this state, God's doing some incredible things as well. There's a church called Simple Church in Reynoldsburg that launched just a year and a half before us, and God's doing some amazing things. We need to celebrate with them. That just in 2018, Simple Church has seen 78 people make a decision for Christ and 27 people baptized, right? We need to celebrate with churches like that. And listen, those are just the pastors I talked to this week. There's chances are you know people that go to other churches. Listen, instead of breaking down the, the message, instead of breaking down the service and saying this is what went wrong, what if you celebrated what's going on right, man? What if you asked them, man, how many people you've seen saved this, this past week? How many people have you seen come? How many guests? Did, let's celebrate with it. Let's celebrate the fact that churches, there's churches still growing, right? A lot of times I think we see the church and it's all doom and gloom, but guess what? God loves his church more than anything else. He's never going to let it go. 
He's going to build his kingdom, and he'll continue to do it and do it again and again and again, and we need to celebrate it every single time. There's good things happening in the city. There's good things happening in this state. There's good things happening in this nation for his kingdom. In fact, just today alone, 29 new churches are being launched through the Church Multiplication Network which is a network that launched us, 29 churches and 60 churches just for the month of September. Right? That's amazing, right? Somebody, we need to clap and we need to celebrate for stuff like that. That's amazing. And there's more networks out there doing the same thing. I think so many times as Christians, we become so, narrow, so narrow-minded, so closed, closed off that we don't realize that his kingdom is bigger than anything we imagine. And what we end up doing is we, have, we seek our own kingdom instead of his. And we fall in this line of worry. We need to seek his kingdom because it's bigger than anything we can imagine. We need to seek his kingdom, which means that we need to be praying for others. And what if as Christians, what if people from the outside saw Christians as, as being ones that celebrated with each other instead of competing with each other? Right? What if they saw us as people that pray for each other instead of positioning against each other, right? And it would change everything, right? We need to seek his kingdom. And listen, as I say this, I, I know, listen, I'm going to sound sacrilegious, but as, as I say seek his kingdom, I grew up in church. I saw this. It just seems like a churchy word. Like, seek his kingdom. What does that mean? Like, what's the point of that? In fact, I even Googled it. I'm like, what's seek his kingdom mean? It said, pray more, read more, fast more, do all these things more. Like, the same stuff you get from Sunday school all the time. I'm looking. I'm like, that's not. Come on. God, what is it really? But when I look at it, it's to seek out to his people more and more. Again, I called you a child of God because you are. But guess what? Your neighbor is as well. People all over the city, they're children of God. And we either need to love with, we need to love them where they are and continue to pray with them. If they know God, we need to celebrate the fact that they know God. If they don't know God, guess what? We need to introduce them to him and let them know that they are a child of God as well. We need to seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom means praying for more than just yourself. It means going beyond your little sphere of influence, going beyond your world and loving others. So let's do that. Let's pray for others. Let's love others. Let's celebrate with others. Let's celebrate with other churches, right? Let's pray for other churches. Think about it. Think about this week. How can you seek his kingdom? Who can you pray for? Who can you celebrate with? Who can you love? So number one, seek his kingdom. Just stay in the margins, stay aligned, stay within the lines and seek his kingdom. And then number two, seek his righteousness. I spelled it wrong in first service. I just got to admit it. But we need to seek his righteousness. And really, you look at these two things, these two things are the basics for life. Again, as we go into this series, I'm going to talk about time. I'm going to talk about our finances. We're going to talk about really our relationships. But it all starts here, right? This is the basis for everything. If we understand that we stay in the margins by seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness, then everything else will align. In fact, that's what Jesus says. He says everything else will come to as long as we do these two things. And this is what righteousness is. When I say seek his righteousness, righteousness is this. It's the quality of being morally right and justified. I think if we're honest with ourselves, though, a lot of times we seek our own righteousness, right? We try to justify everything we do. We try to look right in the eyes of others. But again, what that is, that leads to this area. That's that worry. That's that worry about our own life. That's that worry about, about what we eat, drink, our body. That's the worry about all that. That's our own righteousness. So the counterpart to that is to seek his righteousness, to seek his righteousness, to stay in the lines, to stay within the margin, we need to seek his righteousness. And here's why. Because he's the only way to God, right? He's the only way to God. 
In fact, we become righteous through Jesus. Jesus' righteousness is what makes us righteous in the eyes of God. In fact, he's, and it's the only way. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we need to seek him. We need to seek his righteousness, which means that we place him first. We need to love him above everything in our lives, and we place him above all else. And here's just some practical questions that we can put in place in our lives that will allow us to seek his righteousness. In everything we do, in every situation we come across, I think we need to ask ourselves some questions. And it's this. What would Jesus see? What would Jesus say? And what would Jesus do? What would Jesus see? What would Jesus say? And what would Jesus do? Listen, this is, a, this is a great rule for social media. Just throwing that out there. But it's a great rule for life as well. Truth is, Jesus may see things in a lot of different perspectives than what we have. In fact, he clearly sees things different than we do. And we need to ask. We need to seek after what is he seeing in this. We need to seek after what is he saying. What would he say in there? There's a lot of times he may, he may not say anything. There's a lot of times where we don't say anything and he would say something, right? There's a lot of times that he would do something completely different than what we would. But we need to ask ourselves these questions. When we ask, these when we ask ourselves these questions, we need to then live out what the answers are. Live out what the answers would be and model what he is. Right? We need to seek his righteousness and we need to model it. And really what we need to do in our life, instead of wondering how does this make me look, again, that's self-righteousness. That leads to worry. Instead of asking ourselves how does this make me look, we need to ask ourselves how does this make Jesus look? Right? Do, Jesus, do people see Jesus through me. We need to seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. This is where it all starts, right? We need to focus in really within the lines. We need to focus within the lines and to move from this whole concept of worry to seeking his kingdom and seeking his righteousness. And really what this is, I'll make this even simpler. Seek his righteousness, love God. Seek his kingdom, love people. Love God, love people. I think I've heard that before, right? I think Jesus said that over and over and over again. This is how we experience the gospel. This is how we experience the good news. This is how we experience margin, to love God and to love people. Jesus said it, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Everything that we're worried about here, everything that we're searching for here, if we love God, if we love people, it'll be given to us as well. Seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. I want to challenge you to, to pull out your, your connect card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe here today and maybe, maybe as I'm talking, as I, as I challenge you to seek, to seek him, to seek his kingdom, to seek his righteousness. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you did and maybe you, maybe you walked away. Maybe... Maybe you've never fully experienced, though, even the fact that God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. Listen, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to make a commitment to follow Christ and to seek after him. If you're here today and that's you, I want you to, on the back of the response card and the connect card, I want you to simply just check mark that box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ if that's you. Then I want you to believe that God loves you so much that he gave his son for you. I want you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, check mark that box. Maybe here today, maybe... Maybe you've made that decision before, but God's really pushing you. Maybe God's pushing you to, to love more people, to love others a little bit better. Maybe God's pushing you to, to ask those questions. What would, what would Jesus see? What would Jesus do?
How would Jesus react? Maybe God's asking you to, to ask yourself those questions. Whatever it is, write that down and then begin to live it out. There's also a place for a prayer request as well. If you would, take this moment to fill that card out. If you're a first-time guest, we ask that you fill that card out completely, and then you can actually take it to the Connect Center at the end of the service and get a gift. If you've been here multiple times, listen, we still want you to fill it out. If you've been here multiple times, you can just fill out your name and maybe what you're going through. That way we can continue to pray with you and to walk with you. But if you would, take this moment to fill that card out and to get any ties or offerings ready. And I'll be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.